Hello, friends. My name is Mike. Thank you for joining me today on Up North Rocks, Northern Ontario's only climbing podcast. Listen to me, Annie. I don't care how experienced you are. A smart climber always wears a belt and suspenders. Dad. Two cams are safe. Three's even better. Dad. Not kidding, Annie. Nobody's going anywhere until you put another cam in the wall. Dad, I have three cams. He's just yanking your chain. What the? This route is sandbagged. There's no way this is 5'5". Five five. This is like 5'8". D. With support from Furnace Industries, makers of gym-safe indoor mixed and climbing training tools. Check out the tools, dry tooling holds, and their selection of replacement front points and dry tooling picks at FurnaceIndustries.com. Use coupon code UPNORTHROCKS for a discount on your first order. Are you someone who is interested in learning to climb in northwestern Ontario, or just want to get out for a fun adventure? If so, Eric Fishman in Outdoor Skills and Thrills has you covered. With over 25 years experience climbing and over a decade of experience guiding in the region, Eric Fishman is northwestern Ontario's premier rock and ice climbing guide. Whether you're a beginner or a veteran, big or small, young or old, the Outdoor Skills and Thrills team is always committed to providing a fun and challenging environment to anybody and everybody. You will always be guided by their highly experienced, friendly, and passionate guides through an exciting and enjoyable experience in the best rock climbing areas around Thunder Bay. Offering summer courses in beginner rock climbing, sport climbing, and drag climbing, and winter courses in beginner ice climbing, leading on ice, and mixed climbing, Outdoor Skills and Thrills has the programs you need to take your climbing to the next level. Check them out online at OutdoorSkillsAndThrills.com, on Instagram at Outdoor underscore Skills, or find them on Facebook to book your next guided climbing adventure. On today's episode, I had the pleasure to sit down with someone who is well known in the ice and mixed climbing scene in Northern Ontario, Dave Roney. Dave has been making trips to the region since the early 80s, and in that time has made a huge contribution to the ice and mixed routes in Orient and Kama Bay. As they say, Eric Landman wrote the book, but Dave Roney put up the roots to fill it. Dave was up here this winter for a week of climbing and also gave a fantastic presentation at Ice Fest, so I was stoked to be able to connect with him on one of his rest days to record this conversation. I'm sure you'll enjoy it just as much as I did. Well, thanks uh, so much for, for joining me today there, Dave. It's a real yeah. pleasure to have you. Thanks for an- inviting me, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, that's great. Um, I mean, your your name is a name that anyone who's done any ice or mix climbing in this neck of the woods is probably pretty familiar with, but I don't know that, that many people would know a whole lot about you beyond a big, long list of scary routes. Um, so yeah, let's just start there. Where where'd you grow up? Where are you from? Yeah, um, I... Uh... I grew up in the Milwaukee area in uh, Wisconsin, and then eventually uh, well, got out of high school. I went to Eau Claire, Wisconsin to go to school, and I just stayed there. Did a bunch of different things. I was a carpenter for a while, and then went back to school, got a teaching degree, and taught for 25 years. And, uh, and then just a few years ago, moved to the Black Hills, Custer, South Dakota. It's a place where I've been going rock climbing for many, many years. And we had property there, my wife and I. And so moved there and built a house. And I live in Custer now. Cool. Sounds mm-hmm. like a cool place. Yeah. Um, where'd you start climbing? Uh, first place I ever climbed was uh, Interstate Park. And it's in between uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota, about 40 minutes north of Minneapolis. It's on the border. Uh, some really nice crags, quartzite crags, beautiful cracks and edges. Um, not real tall, but uh, lots of different degrees of difficulty and uh, easy access. Um, so it was a great place to learn. Um, the first thing I ever climbed was the chimney at a YMCA camp I worked at. It was stone chimney masonry stone chimney and uh you know this guy that introduced me to climbing 
set up a top rope on it and uh the very first thing i ever climbed was that chimney and i loved it it was like this is fun and cool. so i've been chasing that ever since <laughs> Sweet. chasing the chimneys um and how about so around what year would that have been that was in uh 1976 cool. the summer of 76 is when i started climbing and started going to interstate park yep he had uh you know some basic gear for top roping that's all we did in the you know first year or two and well, two or three no no just a year or two and then uh you know we just started accumulating stuff like i see on your wall <laughs> <laughs> it happens to the best of us yep um and how about ice climbing when did you start hanging on tools um that was two years later um you know and i can't really remember how that happened i guess by the interstate park there's a dam at St. Croix Falls, they regulate the water flow and mainly generate electricity. And so in the winter, this dam face freezes up. And we were driving by it because in the, well, in the winter, if it was a nice day, we'd go climbing. And we saw that dam face frozen up and thought, wow, that would be, that would be something. And so sure enough, we went and got some crampons and uh, uh, he had a long ice axe, an alpine ice axe, and I had a Chouinard ice hammer with a spike on it. And uh, somehow we got an anchor set up on the top of the dam, and that was the first ice we climbed. It was the dam face, like 65 feet. And didn't take long to get chased out of there, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, but that kind of, I don't know, gave me the interest, and uh, we moved on from there. That was two years later, so that would have been in, uh, what, 78? Yep. The, the you know you look at the equipment from then to now it's just unbelievable. It, well, if not for that, I wouldn't be climbing anymore. You know, I just wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> Fair, yeah. I mean, it's it's incredible to imagine the stuff that people did yeah. back in the day with the gear that existed. Um, yeah. What in your presentation at uh, Ice Fest the other day, you had a a pair of boots that I think you know each one of those weighs as much as my pair. Oh, totally. More. Just un unbelievable. Right. Yeah, the only thing those boots had going for them is they were rigid, mm. you know. And they were a little warmer than a single boot, certainly. But, oh, my God, they were heavy, right? Mm -hmm. Crazy. Totally, yeah. Like Scott, six, seven pounds, I think they are. Yeah, Scott Backies was saying they had, like, a steel shank in them. Yeah. Is, yeah, they, they are, yeah. It's wild to imagine climbing ice with steel boots. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Did it for years. I think I had those boots for eight years, six, eight years. You know, then finally traded him in on plastic uh, Coflatch boots, mm -hmm. boots the Invernos, mm -hmm. and uh, you know what a leap that was. A lot lighter, and then the new single boots, the new well, even double uh, Scarpa boots. I have a pair of each, and they're just amazing, light, warm, stiff, beautiful. Totally, yeah, yeah. The gears really, really changed the game. Yep. And um, so that '78 did your first uh, top rope in on on the dam, and then. How, how long after that did you uh, start getting screws and leading stuff? Uh, it was probably five years, early 80s. Uh, we and I mentioned in that uh, presentation that there was a pillar of ice that formed in Eau Claire, and we could top rope it, but uh, eventually got the nerve to lead it, so we bought a few screws, and uh, off we were going. So that was probably 82 or so, 84. Yeah, probably 82 because then in 83 was the first trip I made up here. So 82, 83 is when I started leading ice. Okay. Yep. That was going to be my next question is when you came here first. So that was yep. 83? I'm pretty sure it was January of 83. It's hard to remember, but Sean Perrant had been here uh, and wrote a article that Climbing Magazine published. And there was a photo of what is now the Reflection Wall Route, but mm -hmm. it was unclimbed in those days. And he had that titled Unclimbed Ice in Orient Bay. And so my buddy Bert Lindquist and I, well, it was really Bert picked it out. I said, Dave, we should go here. And we, I think the next weekend we were up here, staying at the old Nipigon River Motel, which is where the bridge now is. So okay. That, that motel's gone. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so 80, so 80. I, I, I interviewed Sean a while back, and I think he said that he, his first season ice climbing here, which would have been kind of the first season anyone ice climbed here, was... I think it was 79. Yep. So you were not, not long after. Not too long. No. You know, I mean, nobody knew about it. Totally. 
Right. No ice climbers knew about it, or very few, right? Mm-hmm. And that they knew they weren't talking. Right. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it was a, a hidden gem for a long time. Um, do you remember what uh, what routes you got on in that first trip? Or yeah, the trips? first, I do. I do. You know, like I, you saw it. We were wearing snowmobile suits. Oh, my right. God. And it was 30 degrees. Uh, well, zero, you know, for you guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, my God, we were just... It, we were, it was ridiculous trying to wear those things, but <laughs> it's all we had. Uh, the first thing we climbed was Tears of Joy, and I remember that well because I broke my nose on the second pitch following because my tool got stuck, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm pulling on that tool and pulling and pulling, and I stupidly raised my head up to kind of look at it, and I tugged on it and just instantly popped out and hit me right on the bridge of the nose, and it had a, a scoop pick on it. I can't remember what they call it. Some ads, some yeah. kind of ads, and it got me right on the bridge of the nose, and it just. Oh wow! Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. Was that was the first route. You ever that was it. the first trip. Wow. First route. First, first trip, trip. First trip. Broken nose. Broken nose. Yep. <laughs> boy, oh boy, I look like a mess. And then the second route we did was compulsion, or no, uh, obsession. Cool. And uh, yeah, that was hard for us, you know. But we got up it. Wool every wool gloves, wool hat, no helmet. <laughs> You know, those big heavy boots mm-hmm. with strap-on crampons and a little ice hammer and a long, well, called the uh, Big Bird ice tool. Right. Wild. With sco- screws, you had to crank in with your tool. Right. You had to stick the pick through it and crank it in. Jeez. Oh, my God. Yeah. And again, on leashes. Right. So your you're leash, you can never lower your arms, really. And all the blood flows out of them, and you've got those leashes cinched around your wrists to make sure that your fingers go numb and get frozen cold. <laughs> Fun, man. Yeah, sounds like a recipe for the, the barfies. Wow. Right. Jeez. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, well, obviously you went on to do a whole bunch of crazy stuff here. Like, how, you know, like before you were doing things like putting up infidelity or walls in, or roots on the wall of doom, like what... How long a period was that between climbing obsession and coming back to do some of the? Uh, yeah, well, you know, it was it was a progression. I came up here a lot for many years, and so uh, that was in '83, my first trip, and it wasn't until the mid 2000s, probably around '04. I mean, there were some some ice routes we put up early on. We did parallax, and mm-hmm. that was one of the better known routes. Uh, you know, we really lucky to find that and several others i can't remember the names but uh and so that was in the 80s and we were still climbing on those on that archaic you know archaic gear uh but nevertheless found our way to the top quite a bit Uh, but i guess it was new equipment new tools new crampons and really opened the door to some new routes right right and so that made a big difference and then i was climbing more and i met wes Mm-hmm. And uh, Wes Bender and I started climbing a lot together in the winters, and we did a lot of new routes together. It was, you know, I was, I was lucky to have him up here as a partner. So nice. Yep. Yeah, he's still still holding it down on this side of the border for yeah. sure. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's really fun to see. Yeah, put up a new uh, five plus line just uh, day before yesterday. That dog on West boy, if there's if there's ice to be climbed, he'll find it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Good totally. for him. Yeah, and even like a pure ice line right off the highway too. Like you wouldn't think there'd be any of those left, but yeah, there it is. There they are. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, yeah, I mean, so yeah, we're we're now we're talking about like you know the mid '80s that kind of timeline. Ice Fest had started around then, right? Yeah. Were you coming to Ice Fest back in those days? I went to one or two of them back in the early years of the Ice Fest. That would have been late 80s. And, uh, yeah, it was, you know, Sean was working hard to, you know, get the word out and get people in here, get them enthused about um, climbing ice. So they were they were not very big, you know, there weren't many people here. But, um, nevertheless, a few people would show up. One of my favorite parts was Sean would have the new route raffle. You know, he'd have scoped out some new lines and... Mm. Uh, the winner of the raffle would get the opportunity to go climb a new route. You know, that That's was cool. cool. So That's it was cool. fun. Yeah. I mean, it was, he did some cool things with that and certainly got this going and it's nice to see it continuing. Yeah, totally. Yes. Yeah. But I wasn't really a participant other than just, you know, kind of popping in and mm-hmm. saying hi and, you know, yeah. 
hanging out a little bit. What's interesting about the the new root raffle? I mean, it makes total sense. Like there was there was many a line to be done. Oh my gosh! All right, and then he kept finding new areas. You know, he found uh, up in Kama, and then around the backside of Kama, is that called Paradise or Mm -hmm. something like that? And there's other places, and so we didn't know about them. Climbed in Orient Bay for years before I heard about Kama. Wow. You know, and they're, yeah. they're still. Yeah. Yeah. And there's still out that way that, you know, if there's anywhere where there's still new lines to be done, it's in Kama and uh, yep. in Paradise. There's still much less traffic. To, right. Yep. Yeah. Eric Landman and I went back there one time and it's a hike back there, but it's pretty cool climbing. Yeah. I think the book says like either snowmobile in or go in with you know, plans to stay for two days. Yeah. <laughs> we went in and out the same day. You, you know, we caught great conditions. I think somebody had been in ahead of us, so there was a track, and we just walked right to it. Uh, otherwise, it would be tricky finding your way back there. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I have, I have not had the pleasure yet, but yep. it's on the tick list. Yep. And, yeah, there's funny, I, I uh, well, I mean, there's, there's obviously an incredible amount of hard mix climbing in, in the you know, Orient and Canada Bay next to the woods. There isn't a whole lot of moderate mixed climbing. And for those of us that are, you know, trying to figure out how to do this stuff or, uh, are scratching our way up what we can, but I did, um, wax some bolts into something a little easier, but didn't end up freeing it on, uh, on the Friday before ice fast. And I had the thought, like I could put this in the raffle. Ah. I, I didn't, I didn't even know that that was a thing that like, historically darn. had been the case. I should have done it. Should've there you it. go. Could have been years. That's awesome. Another, uh, another day for Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's good. Well, I went and, uh, I, I remember talking to people about the mixed clinic and right. Uh, my thought is there could be, or should be more moderate, you mm-hmm. know, easier mix to learn on because mm-hmm. it's a different game and, it's really insecure, even on good terrain, you know, even on easy terrain. So uh, to try to do mixed on something that's, you know, those harder grades is really tough. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, some of the bolts might be a little further apart than uh, I might place them myself these well, days. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, there's always that. <laughs> there's always that. That's actually one thing. So, I mean, of course I've, you know, chatted with other people about you and I had uh, Eric Landman on the show, um, uh, few weeks ago and so he described you as the strongest climber he's ever met uh you know i uh that's nice of him to say and i appreciate that i i'm a little i don't know uh i don't know if i deserve that but anyway you know i and i don't know how to how to really respond it's really kind and uh climbing has come pretty easily for me it's one of those things that i felt comfortable doing right away Mm -hmm. and um, I think the other thing that's helped me is just great partners and safe partners who, uh, you know, make sure we're doing things as well as we can and I'm willing to take a fall, you know, and so mm-hmm. try to plan as best you can. Okay. If I, what happens if I fall from here? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hit anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. You know, and so, um, that has helped me and, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll frequently just try to push through something rather than back off or whatever. And mm-hmm. if I fall, so be it. Sometimes I make it. Totally. You know, yeah. so, yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's nice. Um, Eric well, and I had some great adventures together. Oh, I bet, yeah. Well, so that, that actually touches on the second thing that somebody said about you. Was I, I mentioned to Eric Fishman that Eric Landman had described you as <sighs> the strongest climber he knows. And Fishman agreed. <sighs> and also said that... Uh, he doesn't know if he's ever climbed with someone else who's as willing to take whips on tools as you are. <laughs> so, uh, that does, cause yeah, if you, if you want to climb that, that big hard stuff, you gotta be willing to just go for it. Right. Absolutely. And the rock climbing background has really helped me for mixed and mainly in the protection, but also, you know, just being able to look at some terrain and get some sense for how I'm going to try to climb it on dry mm-hmm. tools. But, uh, I really like, I like bolted mix, but I love trad mixed and you know, all that's, mm-hmm. That's even more fun, and so you get to place the gear, and you, and then all the things that go along with that. So, um, yeah, the, the the route that Eric and I did together, uh, fun employed, was a blast. You know, just two bolts and seventy meters of climbing, or something like that, and good pro, but thin in places. So it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I remember there was a pretty good fall on uh, fun employed. Yeah. 
So yeah, that was that was before you went back and put the bolts in. Correct. Yeah. Right. It just didn't seem. It was it was small pro. I pulled out three pieces on that fall, and the the one that held was small, and uh, so I just thought yeah, this just this isn't fun. You know, having to worry about a big fall off the belay because when I, mm. uh, you know, I was face to face with Eric when I came to a stop. And uh, so we put a bolt in mm-hmm. and then another one up higher just to make it safe and make it fun. Totally. Well, I mean, I'm sure anyone that repeats it, and if I ever get around to repeating it, I'm sure I'll be thankful. Yeah. Well, it's just one bolt. of those routes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's cool. Yep. Um, well, so yeah, let's let's talk about New Routes in Orient Bay before we go on to talk about elsewhere. So I have here a copy of Superior Select. I didn't have time to go through Superior Ice because it's a bigger book. And, yep. But mm-hmm. I, I went through and I flagged every, yeah. every day of Roni Oh my gosh. There's 20, yeah. 24. Oh my gosh, are yeah. there? There's 24. There's one that's a 3+, plus, and everything else is harder than that. There's a couple 4s. They're mostly in the 5-plus range. There's a lot of them got M grades with them. There's a couple R's. Uh-huh. <laughs> um... But some pretty incredible stuff. I mean, there's like you mentioned parallax. I mean, that's a that's an ultra classic pure ice line. It is. Um, yeah. Again, that was Bert. I remember we came up, and he, you know, I'm oblivious to a lot of this, but he said, "Hey, look at that! I don't think that ice line's ever been in before." Mm. And I said, "Oh, really?" He said, "Let's go check it out." And so that's how we we just went over there. Apparently, I think it was Sean or somebody had talked about planning on going in the next weekend. Oh, really? And we just. We just got there at the right time. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I've been just lucky. I, I, all these years I've been coming up here and, uh, you know, I find ice that hasn't been in before or lines that just haven't been looked at before. And it, it's been a blast. I just love climbing up here. That's awesome. I'm super awesome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, well, there's, yeah, there's, you know, 30... 30 plus years of climbing around here, but there's also a whole lot of climbing in a whole bunch of other places. Um, I mean, in your presentation, you, uh, you covered some, some pretty cool routes and there's a few that I'm hoping that you might be able to give us a, a bit more in-depth chat about. Uh, the first one being, uh, your ascent of the, the sea of vapors with John Jingerheimer. Um, and I'm, and you can, you can guess why I'm bringing that one up. Oh yeah. Just, it's just the, the goofiest thing, right? Sea of vapors, uh, been waiting for that to come in for years to uh, have a chance at it every time we go to every time you drive by the trophy wall you look up there to see if the sea of vapors what's in and finally yeah he and i were there and it looked beautiful our first ever trip together so we didn't really know each other that well we'd climbed a little bit up here together but anyway uh the day came it was in beautiful shape and we were ready to go and uh, it's a big hike up there, three and a half hours probably, and uh, uh, but eventually got to the gear up point, and I realized as I opened my pack, I had forgotten my harness, and it's like, oh my God, what do you do? Well, I'm going to make a harness. <laughs> right, it's just so crazy. Uh, we didn't have enough sling, because you know, I'm, a lot of courses will teach you how to make a uh a harness using sling we didn't have any of that but we had cord so i pick up this six mil uh rappel cord and start looking at it figuring out john how can i make a harness out of this he said you can't make a harness out of that <laughs> i said what have we got and then i spotted his rope i looked at his rope <laughs> <laughs> and he just kind of he could read my mind he said well you could cut some and cut some off the end of this rope man so that's what we did and uh, cut about 20 feet off, and I wrapped it around my waist, I don't know, six, seven, eight times, a couple times around the legs to make leg loops, and I didn't have any, you know, I didn't have anything that was on my harness. I didn't have the ice clippers, I didn't have a belay device, I didn't have any locking carabiners. I had none of the stuff that's normally on your harness, and so I had to just uh, scavenge some stuff from John, and uh, I just didn't think about it. I didn't think about falling. I rarely do, you know. I'm just I'm climbing, mm-hmm. and so I just didn't think about falling. I'm I'm not going to fall. I'm going to climb. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, looking at it, I thought we could do it. I could do it without falling. And so here we go. What I didn't think about was the hanging belays and the rappels. Mm-hmm. So the climbing wasn't bad, you know. I mean, it was. Uh, inconvenient because I didn't have my normal equipment but the climbing wasn't bad and I the harness stayed on me <laughs> harness 
stayed on me and uh, we did fine. But God, the first hanging belay was uh, after the postscriptum pitch. It was awful because the thing cinched up my rib cage and it was choking me. And so that was what I was in for all the way up. Every hanging belay and every rappel was just really miserable. But in the end, we got up, we got down, and what a day. I bet. You know, what a story. Yeah, that is, is quite the story, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, I was talking about, because you told that story at Ice Fest, and I was talking about that with somebody afterwards. And we were speculating that, like, I mean, I think to most of us, it just, it would hardly even occur to us to just make a, a harness out of rope and and just go for it. But I, we were speculating that having, you know, come up in climbing in an era where the year was just generally less awesome, you know, it kind of sets your threshold for what kind of gear you're willing to do something with. Yeah, you're right. Um, yep. so yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, three and a half hours is a long hike, but I still don't know if I would climb a, a big Rockies WI6 route with a, with a rope harness. So yeah. Good on you. Right. Well, um, like my buddy, Chris Gorney, another guy who climbed up here or uh, in uh, the Rockies and up here with quite a bit, said 99 other people would have gone down, Dave. <laughs> yeah, probably right. <laughs> But yeah, so it was fun and I'm glad it worked out. Um, like I say, what a story. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> um, so there's another one that, uh, this one you, you mentioned briefly, or you know, not briefly, but uh, talk about it a little bit in the presentation, but this one I would love to talk a bit more about because it, uh, it gets into a mythical question of grades, which is uh, Gimme Shelter WI7. Yep. There's, you know, the, the hotly contested, oh, yeah. what is a WI-7? Does it even exist? You know, all that jazz. Do you want to right. tell us the story of Gimme Shelter? Well, I, you know, you know, and grades is one of the most hotly debated topics anywhere, right? Grades and rock, ice mix, whatever. And so everybody's got an opinion. Uh, my opinion, my opinion is that, uh, boy, I've, I, it just comes down to, I guess, my experience has led me to believe that there is WI-7. That's my experience. I've climbed a lot of WI-6, and um, there is things that are much harder than many of the WI-6s that I've been on. So I believe there's a 7. Some people say it doesn't exist. Fine. Whatever. I think closed any closed end on grading, if you're never going to say there is no 7, never will be, I think that's going to be a real problem. Mm -hmm. Because people and equipment are just going to get better and better. Totally. So I just can't, I can't, uh, my opinion is that there is WI-7 and who knows what follows that. Fair. But, um, so Gimme Shelter was originally rated WI-7 by uh, the first ascensionist Tim Friesen and uh, uh, I should remember. I'll think of it before the end of it. But these two guys did it back in the 80s, and it took them two days. They went up maybe about halfway. And again, you look at the gear those guys were using in the 80s. It was it's an, a stupendous account. I think that they for a while it was regarded as one of the hardest routes in the world uh, shortly after it was done. So it's it's big, it, and it's uh, there's a lot of hazard. You know, I pointed out the seracs above the route and the the avalanche slopes below so it's a it's a big undertaking uh the what we both what i believe was wi7 was an overhanging stretch of ice an overhanging curtain of ice that was about 25 to 30 feet and there's no possible way to protect it because it was just hollow I, my picks would go all the way through it in a few places and uh as I first launched out on it i went too fast i didn't think about it and my feet just peeled off and i was hanging just totally free extended arms hanging bicycle kicking trying to get my feet back on that curtain and it just crumbled beneath me and i thought if i'm not careful there's not going to be any ice here and i'm going to fall off this thing and i am 20 feet above the screw and 800 feet off the deck 13 miles in i do not want to fall and somehow i got my front points back on that thing and i backed down and you know kind of collected myself and and really planned it and looked at this thing and exactly how I wanted to go. And, and the next try went great, but it was really sketchy and thin. And the ice was falling apart. And I thought, damn, that was hard. You know, it just kept going. And then above that, it was dead vertical for another 30, 40 feet. So it was quite a stretch, but good pro. Finally got pro in. Mm -hmm. And John came up, comes up behind me and he looks at me and he said, that was WI7, man. 
And I said, you know, I wouldn't disagree. I would not disagree because he's been around the block. And so that's where we came up with it. That's the only pitch I've ever climbed that, that bad. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Um, but like I say, a lot of WI6 and 6+. plus. So mm -hmm. it was pretty cool to get through it. And uh, like, that was quite an experience. Yeah, I bet. Well, you make a good point at the start there about how you know, having a having a cap at the top of the grades is dangerous because right. then you just end up with a lot of really hard, scary, dangerous WI6. Well, true. And then you're going to find people that are going to go, okay, we're going to do like the rock climber. We're going to have 6A, 6B, 6C, you know, 6C mm -hmm. plus, 6... Mm -hmm. Come on, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, grades are so... And then ice, besides, you know, look at the difference in ice from... Well, it can be week to week, day to day uh season to season and so there's just no way to predict totally yeah actually yeah while we're on the subject of grades um i mean i i haven't had the opportunity to do really any ice or mix climbing outside of ontario um and very little outside of northern ontario um and i'm you obviously you've done a lot of stuff in a lot of places um do you have any thoughts on whether the grades around here stack up any differently than anything anywhere else? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, my initial observation is that Thunder Bay grades are, uh, they're hard for the grade. Let me put it that way. Thunder Bay 5 is going to be, you can expect a good stout ice climb at Thunder Bay 5, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I would say that I've been to other places that, uh, you know, they're calling they would call what I just climbed here in Thunder Bay WI6. Right. And so I think, the you know, that's just what I grew up with. And I, after climbing a lot of fives here, going out to the Rockies in Canmore area and climbing six, I was comfortable. Mm -hmm. I could do it. Mm -hmm. So if you can get that comfort level here, you're going to be able to go a lot of places. Nice. Well, yeah. that, that is gratifying to hear. It I, is. I hope that that was what you were going to say. Yeah. You know, I, I, and I think there's been a lot of agreement on that. Cool. So yeah, we always we we tease a little bit about you know thunder. Oh, that's God damn, that was as hard as a Thunder Bay Five, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. And how about uh, any sort of similar principle for mixed grades? I'd or? say the mix are pretty close. Yep. Um, boy, I see a lot of variation in mix from one route to the next. You know, it can be in the same area, even in the Canadian Rockies. But I I think that uh, generally the mixed grades here will trans for pretty well to other places. Gotcha. You can climb M7 here, you'll, you know, you got a good shot at M7 in the Rockies. Cool. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've wondered about is, uh, like, I had Sarah Hunican on a few weeks ago, and she was talking about, like, the difference between, uh, you know, like, steeper, juggier uh, M roots and what she described as a scratch and sniff. Yeah. And it seems to me that we got a lot of scratch and sniff around here. I would agree. Yeah, and right, the the juggy things is hanging upside down stuff. You know, that's not my world, really. I just mm -hmm. don't have the strength for that. And I've focused mainly on the stuff I'm going to encounter in the mountains. If I mm -hmm. want to do a big six, eight pitch route in the mountains, you know, I'm not going to be hanging upside down. And, um, so I really have tried to do the scratch and sniff, you know, mm -hmm. try to hang on f and get good enough footwork that I can stand there for a while and look mm -hmm. for good stuff. Um, but certainly there's, yeah, the, the, the higher M grades just get gymnastic, mm -hmm. you know, is really what it amounts to, I think. And it's cool to watch. And those guys, Jesus, those guys can hang on forever. I mean, look at Adam Daly. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's an excellent point. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, Adam put up the, the hardest mixed yep. route in the region. I, I've mentioned him on the podcast as often as I can. Cause yep. I mean, I, I, I would really love to see, uh, that route start to get a little bit more traffic. We just need some more M10 climbers around here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, th I think it's going to happen. You know, looking at that ice fest uh, and all the people that were there, it mm -hmm. was really cool to see all the local people there and uh, their enthusiasm. So I think that is going to happen. Nice. You know. Yeah, I I like to believe that as well. So yep. that's great. Um, how about Patagonia? Yeah, that uh, you know, and anytime you go someplace for the first time, it's a learning experience and. You can have people tell you all they want, but until you get there and discover what it's like, you don't know. And that was us. We didn't know. Uh, our objective, of course, you know, uh, 
for whatever it's worth with Cerro Torre. We hope to do that, but the place is so big <coughs> that we had to learn the logistics. And, and the shortest hike you would ever have is like eight miles one way. So if you're going in and out and, and to, to stock a base camp, we'd hike in eight, drop everything off, secure it, and then hike back to the hike back to town, you know, and do that a few times and get some some gear caches around the place. And that's what we've discovered people do. They'll have a gear cache below Cerro Torre. They'll have a gear cache below uh, Fitzroy and any other big peaks they want to do. And and then when they get the weather window, they just they sprint in there, you know, and get up and down as fast as you can because the weather is just super unpredictable. Right. So that was the deal for us is learning our way around, learning the logistics and uh, having to uh, just kind of come up with a plan B as quick as you could. Right. And so is one trip you've made to Patagonia? Or? Correct. Yeah. Yep. Any plans to return? Or? Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's in my future or not. That's all I can say. Fair. I'd yeah, love big, to. Big undertaking. It's a big undertaking. And, you know, I'm not getting any younger. And so it's I'm slower than I used to be. I've never been a fast hiker. Mm-hmm. And I'm even slower now. So, yeah, I don't know. Fair. I like the I like the out of the car and onto the ice. Totally. Sounds like Orient Bay. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, to my knowledge, there aren't many places that are quite so... Oh, it's beautiful. ...out of the car and onto the ice as Orient Bay. It's beautiful. Yep. Yeah, so Patagonia is great. You know, maybe go back there uh, you know, someday, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so you're, you're up here for like a week and a bit? Yeah, about trip? a week. Roughly yeah. a week. Mm-hmm. And what's... Uh, what have you ticked off so far this week? Uh, well, let's see. This week, uh, so the first few days, I was with Scott Backey's, and uh, we did uh, 10% reel, and then we just fooled around on some mixed lines. And then uh, the on Saturday, we we uh, got the skis out. We went into Kama. We skied up the road that is not plowed, and then snowshoed all the way to the or up to the base of uh, Icebreakers. We did Icebreakers. And then to the left of Icebreakers is a route that I did with Eric Landman uh, called Cama Bay Cakewalk. And that was in, it's, it's in beautiful actually. And so I led that and, uh, and then uh, top rope on uh, the Arete, Icebreakers Arete, and then we were off. So that was a good long day. That's a good long day. And then uh, let's see, yesterday was Starquake. Nice. A couple different lines on Starquake. Three actually so i'm resting today but yeah we've we've done great and uh had a blast so yeah it's a big three days it is that's i mean that's about as big a three days as anyone puts in here ever yeah yeah well yeah so i'm starting to feel it and right uh happy to be able to still put in three days like that you know totally yep yeah, and then uh, things on the take list for the next few? Upcoming? I don't know. I really like the Ice Palace. Probably go back in there. Um, there's a, a couple of the, my favorite dry routes that I've put in, actually, are Drone Attack and Hard Target. They're right near uh, Eval de Sens, I think it is, or Ranzerostology. Yeah, Between Rangs Rocks and Remember the Day. Those two. Yeah, Between those two. Those are my favorites, and I just love going in there and climbing those. And... Um, I'm here with Gina and a friend of hers, Aubrey, and uh, Gina Vandola climbs up here a lot. I'm here, you know, Gina, and so we might go back there and check that stuff out tomorrow. Uh, Adam Daly's coming up with um, Alex, and uh, I think it's Alex Berg, and we're going to make plans for Kama on uh, Wednesday. Sweet. So head back in there. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, another, another good couple of big For days. sure. That's awesome. Um. One other thing, so I reading your Instagram bio, um, I don't remember the level, but you're a Sprat level something. Um, yeah, Sprat one. Sprat one. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? So, um, uh, in order to really help me in my job and uh, uh, understand the needs of people I work, so I'm a, a Petzl rep. I work with Scott Backies and uh, Petzl technical rep for the Midwest. And we sell equipment and uh, to uh, people who climb cell towers, wind towers, firefighters, search and rescue, you know, all that. Uh, it's rescue and uh, safety equipment. Mm-hmm. 
And so SPRAT is a rope access. It's the Society of Professional Rope Access Technicians. And SPRAT emphasizes uh, work on ropes and rescue, rope rescue techniques. And so to really get a good understanding of all the things that people I sell equipment to are going through, I took that course. Gotcha. And so, um, yep, Sprat one. And then I also took a, to a tower climbing and tower rescue, like cell tower, mm -hmm. transmission line tower, any kind of tower climbing and rescue course. And so those are part of my job. Uh, yeah, education, really. Cool. Yeah. And are those skills that you applied in any like practical applications outside of like the selling of gear or well you know good i'm glad you mentioned that it reminds me of something that i was totally oblivious to for many years was what's gonna what am i gonna do if something goes wrong here mm -hmm. when i'm climbing it just never occurred to me you know and i don't know almost like that sea of vapors thing uh i just went climbing if something goes wrong i'll deal with it mm -hmm. it's kind of my mindset and i'm lucky nothing ever went wrong because um, it can be very difficult to self-rescue or rescue someone else who really needs it. So part of the work I've done with Petzl and the Sprat has increased my ability to self-rescue and rescue someone else. I always carry that equipment now. Mm -hmm. Always a pulley, always a rope grab, mm -hmm. you know, and cord. You got to have that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that has really helped me in the climbing world. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah, those are mm -hmm. good good reminders for everyone. And I mean, climbing in North Bay, you're not you're not you know a 13 mile hike in, but you are like kind you're of a ways. middle of nowhere still. Yeah, you are still a ways. If you yeah. suddenly need help, figure at least an hour. Mm -hmm. At least you know you can flag somebody down on the highway, but if you really need some help, you know the calls still have to be made. You, you just all the stuff. It takes longer than you think. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, and never mind just like trying to have a, a calm head under pressure in totally. kind of emergency situation. Totally. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a thing that uh, that folks around here maybe, you know, aren't always, like you said, you know, you're just out going climbing and you're right. by the highway and you don't necessarily think about it, but things can go uh, pretty wrong pretty quick. Oh, awfully wrong, mm -hmm. awfully quick, mm -hmm. totally, yes. You know, given the environment here with rock fall, ice fall, mm -hmm. you know, and so many people around, everybody's got to be aware. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah. And even on, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to be climbing WI6R for that stuff to happen either. Like, oh. I've always heard, I don't, I have no stats on this, but I've always heard that obsession is the route that's put more people in the hospital than any other route in yeah. the region. Yeah. Wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Wouldn't doubt it. You know, it just scares me sometimes. I know uh, we were, I think it was back by around Xerox Tangent and Remember the Day, and we were just hanging out. I think we were done, and another party had already roped up on, they were on Remember the Day, and we're just standing there talking to them, and I'm thinking to myself, damn, that guy's close to the edge. You know, he's close to the fall zone. Mm. And what do you do? Do you say something? And, you know, and I did not. Mm -hmm. I should have, because not five minutes later, a chunk of ice hit him right on top of his head. Oh, no. And damn near drove him into the snow, and he was Jeez. he was reeling. Mm -hmm. You know, he got hurt, and so people don't like to hear it. But if you see it, you just hey man, you know, mm -hmm. you're kind of close. Maybe just move over a little bit, mm -hmm. because uh, I wish I'd have said something. Right? Yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's an interesting thing about ice climbing that. Because it's like so ubiquitous, falling ice, it's like easy to become desensitized to it. But one thing that like I sort of had an epiphany about this season was like, if you ever went rock climbing and the amount of rock fell off as the amount of ice that falls off in an average day of ice climbing, you'd go home. Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't stick around. You'd be like, this place sucks. I hate it here. I'm going home. That's a good point. But as ice climbers, we've just exposed ourselves to that again and again and again. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. It does. It does make that point that we got to take it pretty seriously. Yes. Um. All right. Well, one one or two more topics for you here. Okay. So, well, in your presentation the other day, you had some questions afterwards, and the question I asked was like, you know, when did you train for all this in your chronology? You know, how do you go from showing up in Orient Bay and you know climbing uh, 
tears of joy and obsession to everything you've gone on to do and I guess yeah I'm just gonna ask it again yeah you know, so you, training and I guess I think I think my answer was I don't really train or I don't like to train mm-hmm. and I guess as I reflect on that it's not really true I've I've been in the gym my whole life you know I just always had a membership or I think I mentioned I got into Taekwondo for a bunch of years because I wanted to, to improve my climbing ability. I thought mm-hmm. it might, flexibility, balance-wise, and mm-hmm. it did. <laughs> it served me well. And then uh, there's been, you know, like I, uh, I got the the climbing wall in my basement. I got mm-hmm. dumbbells in my basement. And, you know, I, when I first started going to the Rockies, I started running. I hate running, mm-hmm. you know, jogging, whatever. But I, So I have trained. And I continue to do so, but I have to admit, I'm less enthusiastic about it now. You know, I've been doing it a long time, and I just, I'm kind of sick of it. But, you know, if you really want to keep it going, it, probably as you get older, like me, it's more and more necessary. Mm-hmm. So, because I've had some knee issues, and I've been, not, I've been out of the game climbing for almost three years, totally. And, uh, Wow. It has taken a while to come back. Hmm. So I have been hiking and you know, trying to train as best I can. Mainly I've been climbing. Mm-hmm. So tra- training helps, you know, even if it's just basic muscle tone. I mean, some people go really specific, but any kind of weight training just for general strength is good. Mm-hmm. Push-ups, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. I hadn't realized that you'd been out. I'd, I think I'd heard about some knee issues, but I hadn't realized you'd been out for three seasons. Yeah. It's incredible yep. that... You know, you just had the last three days you just had after being out for three seasons. I, yeah, I'm happy about that. It, and so I started, I, uh, I've been ice climbing a little bit this year. I got to Cody. But boy, oh boy, that first trip to Cody was, it was like worst case scenario day. I fell on top rope and just, and I was maybe 20 feet up a hundred plus foot pitch and, and the ropes just stretched forever. And I went almost damn near to the bottom. Hmm. I slipped on an ice bump and went traveling, you know, just kind of falling down the gully a little ways. Mm. And uh, I just felt really uh, uncomfortable. I thought I'd feel better on ice, and it's taken a while to get it back. And so uh, I made three trips to Cody and uh, got some more dry tooling in and then came here. Felt kind of clumsy on the first day with Scott, but uh, last two days it felt good. So it's been a little slow to come back, Mm -hmm. but it's coming back. Nice. Happy about that. Yeah, totally. I'm happy for you. Absolutely. Um, any uh, any advice or words of wisdom or things you want to say to folks in the region who are, you know, maybe getting into ice climbing or getting into mixed climbing or, or thinking about, uh, you know, progressing into, you know, going out to the Rockies or that kind of thing? Yeah, the, I guess the advice would be if it's what you like to do, what you want to do, just make it happen, you know, as best you can. And it took me a while. It was kind of through some partners that I, I learned how to make it happen. You know, I, um, I didn't travel that much. The first bunch of years I was rock climbing, I Devil's Tower and Black Hills, and that was about it. You know, Devil's Tower and Black Hills, back and forth, back and forth. And then once it was, I, we started ice climbing, it was up to Orient Bay. Nothing wrong with that, but it was always Orient Bay. And I just met, uh, I can't, well, Dan Wilkinson, one of my partners, he'd traveled more and he said, Hey, let's, you know, let's go to Colorado, you know, let's go here, let's go there. And he was the person I made my first trip to, uh, Calgary and band, you know, Canadian Rockies with. And so then I met somebody who, you know, expanded my horizons, you know, and we started traveling more. And, uh, then I met Chris Gorney and he was up for like weekend trips to, the Canadian Rockies. Like I mentioned that leave on Friday, home on Monday night, you know? And so we did that a lot and we got a lot of things done by doing that. We had, we got shut out a few times, mm-hmm. you know, weather went bad, blizzard, th- you know, negative 35, whatever, mm-hmm. but we got a lot done. So I guess my, all I can say is make it happen. Get, you know, get kind of hooked up with people who feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And, that helps. And so I, my partners along the way have helped so much. John was always game for anything and always had some time. Scott back, he's even more, I guess, expanded my horizons. We went to Norway together. Um, we've been to, went to Quebec, been to a bunch of new places that the icefall brook we helicoptered into. So, 
you know, those again, just meeting new partners uh, opened up new opportunities for me. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big part of it. Totally. Yeah, I think that's great advice. So it's a partner sport. Totally is. Mm -hmm. Totally is. And that's the beauty of it, really. You know, I think that's one of the things that is so cool about it. And that's what I've come to appreciate more over the years, you know, as you have that that opportunity to really be with somebody like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, anything else you, uh, you want to say? No, I guess that's about it again. Uh, Mike, thanks for inviting me. And, uh, like I said before, I just love Thunder Bay region, Orient Bay. And, uh, it was cool to see a bunch of people at the ice fest and be able to meet them. And, um, you know, looking forward to being back. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you. Well, there's another conversation with uh, the Northern Ontario climbing legend, Dave Roney. It was really sweet to get to meet Dave, to hear his presentation at IceFest, and also to get the chance to sit down with him afterwards. And uh, I just find him uh, a super inspirational guy, just out there crushing, being bold, taking whips on gear. Um, yeah, just generally great to talk to him. And... Uh, this this episode is is representing pretty much the end of ice season. It's the end of ice season in most of North America, and uh, I'm sure many folks are either already getting out on the rock or looking forward to getting out on the rock as soon as possible. And uh, I think that it is a great place to to wrap up ice season with this conversation with Dave. Coming up next, for those who uh, aren't quite ready to hang up the tools, I had the chance to sit down with Ben Carlson from Furnace Industries. Uh, Furnace Industries is one of the, the leading makers of ice and mix training tools, uh, including the wooden tools that you've probably seen people climb on at the gym. So if you're one of those people like me who uh, wants to spend time on tools during the uh, the non-icy months of the year, you'll be interested to hear what Ben has to say about his company and their vision and what they uh, are doing to, to keep people strong and climbing on tools year-round. And... So I look forward to putting that episode out in the relatively near future. Thanks so much for joining everybody and have a great day.